0: Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy.
1: Greetings, welcome to this edition of ASHP's Practice Journey podcast. This podcast will focus on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the development of leadership skills, career journeys, and more. This edition is a special podcast as we celebrate Women's History Month. I would like to welcome back our podcast panelist for part two to our earlier program titled Leadership in Pharmacy, Women Making an Impact in Practice and Professional Associations. We had a great part one conversation with three pharmacy leaders who have had successful careers and contributed significantly to health system professional associations. Our great panelists are Janet Mighty, Dawn Moore, and Christy Norman will share their insights on their professional journeys as pharmacists, association leaders, and African American women. Welcome back to all of you. I so appreciated the first part of this podcast where you each shared your professional and association journeys. It was incredible to hear the amount of volunteer time and leadership roles you each serve for professional associations. I think it is easy to see that individually and collectively you have made a major contribution to the profession and really serve as role models for others. Thank you for that. With today's podcast, we would like to explore a couple of additional areas of your journeys. One, balancing work and life and the world we live in. And two, as your thoughts on priority areas for our profession. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. You know, what I'd like to do now is to distill things down a little, uh, because we've learned so much between your professional Work journeys and your professional association leadership journeys, and would like to ask you to share your opinions on one: when you provide advice to aspiring leaders within pharmacy or even outside of pharmacy, do you have key points or anecdotes that you like to share? Sort of those back pocket stories that you you know just sort of get to the point and help motivate and inspire and set direction. And then, two: does your advice and mentoring differ? between women and women of color. But before you respond, I would like to take a a moment and just reflect upon the changes in the demographics of leaders in our profession. I think it might've been Dawn that mentioned that earlier. And how over the years, ASHP has strived to address four-year areas of leadership. And there's many areas that ASHP and the foundation have worked on. But one of these is the area that Sarah White introduced on the M-shaped curve of life and the intersections of family and profession. You know, the second was also introduced by Sarah White on her work on the need to be purposeful and have a purposeful commitment to leadership development of both what she described as Big L and Little L leadership. And then the third was addressed uh, with Don. was Don mentioned, the, the ASHP Women and Pharmacy Leadership Initiative. And then, of course, the fourth, most recently addressed with ASHP's task force on racial diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, and recognizing that, principles of leadership may be universal, but it is also so important to recognize that the leadership that's necessary to build the best possible profession and a practice environment needs to be adaptable and inclusive. So going back to the the, the two-pointed question that that I posed a, a couple seconds ago, maybe Christy, if I could ask you to start, you know, when you provide that advice, what are those anecdotes that you provide those that are looking or asking for advice And does your advice and mentoring differ between women and women of color?
0: Thank you, David. And I believe I'm going to point to Sarah White's lesson on the M-shaped curve of life um, when it comes to the intersections of family and the profession. And the reason why I'll say that is that, you know, as women, uh, we are often taught that we can have it all if we just work hard. And what I'll offer um, as a counter to that is that we actually can have it all, but not necessarily all at the same time. (laughs) And so in that M-shaped curve of life and recognizing that there may be points in our of our life where we can lean in um, to those professional involvement opportunities with organizations or um, pursue new endeavors. We do have to do full-on evaluations of whether the timing and circumstances are right. And there are times when our family needs us more. That could be when we are um, taking care of young children. It can be when we're taking care of aging parents. There could be other life circumstances that come to us that we have to take a step back and, and focus on our families and sometimes ourselves even first. And that's all okay. That is all perfectly okay. And the ability to do that um, is actually a reflection of our ability to do those self-assessments and think about long-term sustainability and should not be deemed as either personal or professional failures when we sometimes have to say, you know what, I just can't do that at this point in time. And so that is a lesson um, that I tell um, anyone in the profession and have to remind myself of all the time. Now, when it comes to women of color, and I have had the opportunity to to precept students and um, to also interface with young practitioners along the way. And what I offer to them is that we are sometimes our own biggest critics. And that we are looking for and seeking perfection in all that we do, sometimes under the false pretense that we have a point to prove, or a glass ceiling to break, or a barrier to overcome. And those do exist. Those are real. But in doing so, we have to be able to evaluate ourselves through the same lenses that we evaluate others and give ourselves the grace for growth and learning, as well as making mistakes along the way. And so I like to share that advice with all newer practitioners, particularly women of color, because I do believe that there is an increased sense of pressure that we take on personally and professionally. But we have to be sure that we don't add to that pressure um, in our own personal views.
1: Great, thank you for getting us started on that question, Christy. And uh, now I'd, I'd like to ask Janet if you could provide your perspectives on this.
2: Sure. When I I have many opportunities to interact with you know students, residents, and others that that you know may be aspiring leaders, and usually I keep my comments pretty, I guess, direct with them. Um, So a few things that I share with them or key key points that I share is first, I always tell them to strive to be their best. Um, There are many, many opportunities for us, you know, in this world for education, to gain knowledge, to have different experiences. So That is one thing that I think is key, that people should have a drive to, if you're going to do something, do it well. I tell my sons this all the time. And then the next thing is to take time to reflect. And the way I think about this is that there are lessons learned in, you know, just about everything we do. So when you're going through life or through different experience, or if you're a student and you have projects and, or with the residents, if you have different things that you're working on, or you know, you're on a patient care team and you have um, an experience that happens, whether it's positive or whether it's something that you perceive to be negative, to take time to reflect on it, and to understand what happened and to understand how you can improve that situation if it would occur in the future. And then the other thing that, or key point that I stress is that um, you need to evolve. So advances are made every day in science, um, you know, within the profession And in order for us to stay current, um, we need to evolve. I, you know, tell them stories about history of of pharmacy and the way things used to be done when, you know, I first started practicing. And if I had stayed um, in that same mindset or only kept those skills I had at that time, the profession would pass me by. So I think... um, that is you know the the need to involve to evolve is something that um is key to success i also share with them the importance of mentoring and having um mentors to help them along the way so we could go on and on and on and probably that might be a podcast at another time about mentoring and choosing mentors in those relationships, but I do like to stress to them that that is important for them for development. But you've also asked whether or not the advice and mentoring would differ for women and women of color. And to answer that, I'm gonna reflect back on the impact of the ASHP Women in Pharmacy Leadership Initiative, and even more directly, in 2017, there was an ASHP commentary titled Women in Leadership and the Bewildering Glass Ceiling. And in this commentary, it does point out gender bias in the workplace and gives us you know, a lot of information to reflect on. It talks about the changing demographics Within the United States, it talks about the changing demographics within our pharmacy schools and also points out that, you know, even though there's more than 60% of women who are graduating from pharmacy schools, you know, we're absent from leadership roles. So in talking to women or in, in mentoring women, I think it's important for them to know the history, to understand the current environment, because that's the only way we're going to overcome barriers. So I think by conversations, well, I think our conversations um, change dependent on not just whether it's a woman or woman of color, but I think as we interact more with aspiring leaders, we tend to have more of a connection with them and are able to help them sort of understand or provide them information that would be important to them based on their situation, some of the challenges that they might be facing, their desires of where they want to go in the future. So that would be the information that I would share.
1: Oh, no, thank you for that perspective, Janet. And, and not to sound cliche, but I think to paraphrase is, you know, to gain knowledge helps find truth and through knowledge helps to build power to drive change. So thank you for, for pointing that out. So Dawn, uh, how about you next?
3: Yes, such great information um, shared by Christy and, and Janet for sure. Just to add on to kind of what Christy had spoken about in regards to the M-shaped curve of life and advice given there please know that there are things that you can do to assist yourself in order to avoid being overwhelmed and remaining active because you know it was brought up that you know there are points and times where you have other demands in your life that may um not able you or allow you to um to have certain roles or to participate at a level that you desire. But it's important that, you know, we think about seeking help, you know, whether, you know, and and especially when it comes to your family life too, you know, whether you need before or after school care for kids, or you develop a network of people or family members who can help you when it comes to managing the home. It's perfectly okay to, to do this, to ask for that help. Or maybe you need help with domestic types of duties, such as cleaning your house, cooking, and doing laundry. You know, hire someone to help you with these responsibilities because, you know, your worlds can become overwhelming. You can think about You know, working more efficiently. And with the pandemic, you know, it definitely has taught us, or there's been a greater acceptance of virtual work. And with new models of staffing and care, this could really be advantageous as you could be saving that drive time to and from work. And those with flexibility to customize their schedules, you know, make sure you reserve time on your calendar for certain work related items that you may need to spend more time on instead of um, when you can doing work, instead of committing so much time outside of work on an average work day, you know, if possible. Another point is around delegation, you know, delegating your task accordingly. And this is usually easier said than done for many. So the importance of delegating, because a lot of times we get so trapped into just taking on everything, but, you know, these are practical solutions to help us navigate all of this work that we have in front of us when we look at, when we evaluate the curve and how much time we have and what our priorities are. Another point I would like to 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 bring out you know when we talk about the women in pharmacy leadership you know um, I think Janet was bringing out some of this information too but there are some articles which reference the outperformance of female executives when compared to their male counterparts so I say this because don't underestimate females for key roles or any role Be open and flexible to workplace dynamics. As with more women in the profession, you know, you may need to offer more flexible scheduling or have more job sharing opportunities. And be careful not to assume that because a female has a family or appears to have enough on her plate that she isn't interested in a path of leadership. Women, please don't feel that you're restricted. To being what they you know sometimes can title as a little l when you don't have an official leadership title because as um, temporary points in your life don't define your abilities to do other things and more specifically to reach for higher roles and there is a misconception that aspiring women leaders are looking for shortcuts or handouts that's not true however we need to offer the right amount of support so that their opportunities can be glass ceilings to shatter versus a glass cliff to fall off of now that's important to keep in mind especially you know when we're evaluating job opportunities we need to make sure we understand the support available to help make you successful in that role so that's you know some those are some of the pearls from a women in pharmacy leadership standpoint Now, when it comes to racial diversity, equity and inclusion, again, very sensitive topic for many to discuss, but it is important that you um, are conscious of your leadership in this area. I know many feel that they treat everyone the same and it's not a problem, everything is equal. However, equal or equality does not always mean fair or equity. Again, so because it's equal doesn't mean it's fair or equitable. This is why, you know, when we talk about diversity, equity and inclusion, um, equity is important. That's very important. So I'm not ever suggesting special treatment. I'm suggesting that we meet people where they are. Now everyone is not the same or at the same starting point or have the same resources. You know, I've received feedback from some of my leaders saying, "Well, I don't see color," and of course they have very good intentions in that statement. So when you talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, or DEI, that encourages you to see color, as when we don't have many many things get missed or they can get overlooked. So I challenge you to reflect. Um, I ask my leaders, you know, if you're not a minority in race. How often are you the only one that looks like you in an environment? Now, you may have team members who are the only ones who look like themselves. Now, would you continue working in an environment where that is the case and you're the only one? But, you know, yet so many of them do, and probably more than likely out of some necessity. So it's important as a leader, especially that you make them feel included. Ask them to participate, check in on them, know your team. And I love this analogy, which is popular. It's like, you know, for for those who are the only ones, it's like being invited to the party, but not asked to dance. Okay. Being invited to the party, but not asked to dance. So my feedback or advice offered is not to condemn anyone by any means, but rather to raise awareness in how we can become more insightful when it comes to DEI initiatives. And sometimes, you know, when we feel that um, we're not wanting to necessarily approach the situation, not checking in on all of your team members can come across as if you don't care versus not being you know, sure what to say because the topic, again, can be um, sensitive. But I encourage all to find ways of embracing DEI whenever possible. It's very important. And yes, David, you know, um, specific advice can be different for women and women of color. It's shared, however, The advice is with the same intent of being a successful leader, though. The perspectives and experiences can be and usually are very different depending upon who you are advising, their experiences, and their professional or personal circumstances. So, for example, the pressures and experiences are usually different when it comes to having a progressive career as a woman with children than a male, a single male, or even a male with children. And at, and sometimes, and I was stress sometimes, and Christy brought this out really well, the pressures are self-imposed as there's a goal that we're trying to emulate our male colleagues. So be careful not to become overwhelmed in managing work and life integration as it's usually not evenly balanced, right? That's why we don't call it work-life balance, but make sure you understand that um, because you're not going to have that balance. Again, um, develop that support system to help you manage those priorities such as your family needs and domestic duties. And I would say women leaders need to also do a better job at supporting and sponsoring other women. We can be the toughest barrier for each other Now, as for women of color, being a double minority is especially challenging in the workplace, in addition to the pressures in society. Now, I benefited personally from an executive coach. I came to realize and address situations in a different manner when working with the coach. There are many benefits in having um, this resource available to you. I would highly recommend having one. Now. As we are aware, many companies are now intentionally working to improve DEI efforts. However, we know that they aren't all there yet. Thus, it's important for us to continue to um, work on executive presence whenever possible as the threshold for embracing diversity can still be higher. Nonetheless, it's not impossible. So those are just a few pearls that I would add to what's being said um, by Christy and,
1: and Janet. Oh, great. Thank you, Dawn, for that so much. I think that everything that you guys just spoke about, all the critical elements of you know, leadership, development of teams, the profession of self, dealing with critical issues, glass ceilings, glass cliffs, and the whole notion and the work that we have in front of us around equity and inclusion um, I really appreciate you weaving all of those important points into your stories. Well, as we round, round out this podcast, I have one more question. I mean, we've today spoken a lot about your personal leadership roles, your perspectives on the importance of volunteering and contributing to professional associations, and as well as all those events that make up the leadership experience itself. Um, And then we also spoke about the topics of how do you inspire and advise and mentor the future leaders of our profession? So for our last question today, I'm gonna put you in a little bit of a tough spot because I like to take a moment and ask each of you, what is your leadership imperative for pharmacy practice in the profession? As I mentioned, I know this is a tough question to ask you to just pick one, but I'm excited to hear how your responses will be similar or different. And I also think this will be a great to listen to as the continued call to action for all of those in leadership roles, whether big L or little L, and for those contemplating their personal missions in the leadership journey. Jay, if I could ask you to go ahead and pick that one.
2: Wow, this is a great question, David. So as I think back and also reflect on our discussion today, I mean, I've learned a lot from my colleagues, Dawn and Christy. I think a lot has been accomplished over the years, but on the other hand, I think a lot has not been accomplished. So if we go back and think about September of 2005, when the task force was commissioned on pharmacies changing demographics, And then think about where we are today. So 2021, but 2020, there was a task force for diversity, equity, and inclusion. So over the past year, definitely, I mean, we've all seen that diversity, injustices, equality have taken the spotlight. I think what we need to do um, as leaders or as a profession now is act on the diversity, equity, and inclusion recommendations. And I feel strongly about this because I think back when we were first introduced the pharmacy practice model initiative, which is now practice the practice advancement initiative, We took a lot of time. We focused on the profession. We focused on people. We focused on many, many aspects that are needed to advance the profession. And now I'm thinking, you know, we are the individuals leading the change for the profession. So unless we address diversity, equity, and inclusion, I fear that we will not be successful in advancing the profession. There is, and I go back to, again, the commentary from 2017 that was in AJHP. And there's a statement in there that says, increased diversity is needed to combat homogeneity of ideas. So it's a big task ahead of us to address the DEI concerns that are um, current today. It's hard to believe that in 25, um, the whole idea of the changing of the demographics was introduced to us. We knew there were gonna be changes. We knew again, the US population was changing. We knew, um, you know, a lot of that information that has already been provided to us and we've already talked about earlier on the podcast. Uh, But still here we are in 2021 talking about the same things again. So I think it's time for us to act and sort of address some of the, what I would consider um, some of the basics with individuals since we are the people that are leading the charge for the, the future of the profession of pharmacy, we need to fix some things in order to be successful.
1: Thank you, Janet. Pretty weighty selection of an imperative that's sitting in front of us and I think it's fully recognized. So thank you for that. Dawn, how about yourself? Okay,
3: I agree with Janice. Janet that, you know, identifying one is can be tough. I would say mine would involve pharmacy's role in decreasing health disparities. If we could have pharmacists recognized and compensated as providers with prescribing privileges, there could be greater outreach in helping our underserved populations. So addressing and correcting health disparities is definitely near and dear to me. And I recognize that this is definitely a journey and won't happen quickly. This will take both big L and little L along with the support of many other stakeholders to accomplish this endeavor. Now there's been incremental progress made in several states. However, not enough to show significant movement for considerable change. So my pharmacists are, you know, one of the most accessible healthcare practitioners. So our visibility, is increasing in so many practice settings. And with this, we can help create the change that's needed involving health disparities. So somewhat related to, you know, um, the DEI efforts because that's disparities, you know, until we fix and address DEI initiatives and challenges, you know, disparities will exist. So um, I, I would love to see our profession take on the improvement of health disparities, if and all possible. And this may, of course, have to be done in an incremental fashion, but is one that's, you know, very important for the health of our, our nation.
1: Thanks, Don. So Christy, that brings up uh, for you for the next challenge. It's uh, two great pieces of advice and perspectives. So Christy, how would you uh, like to bring us home for the podcast?
0: Absolutely. And, and I'll close out the podcast by saying that this past year has presented a potentially once from my perspective, lifetime opportunity um, for us as a profession. And the reason why I say that is because we've had a once in a lifetime pandemic. And what I've seen happen is a renewed sense of confidence in the pharmacist and perhaps newfound understanding of the contributions we make to patient care that may not have been there before or certainly not understood um, by the community. Um, I say that because we were looked at very early on in the pandemic to come up with creative ways to, to deliver therapies to patients. To navigate uh, the FDA's emergency use use authorizations uh, for various therapeutics. And then many of us have been involved with rolling out vaccination efforts across the country, um, not just in community pharmacies, but also in large health systems. And so that degree of exposure and uh, recognition, and again, renewed sense of confidence in in our practice provides us with an opportunity to say, hey, we've been here all along. We've been the source of truth when it comes to medication delivery and implementation of uh, new and advanced therapeutics all along. And how do we continue that role? Not just as we encounter pandemics, but also beginning to cement our role in population health management and disease prevention. Um, And not just being there when patients get sick, um, but preventing them from getting sick to begin with. And so I hope that we're able to take um, some of this uh, recent recognition that has come to us and leverage that um, to continue our efforts in population health management and disease prevention.
1: Well, thank you very much. Couldn't have have asked for a better close to our podcast. I think what I just heard was Know, leadership, drive societal change, improves societal health, and celebrate the role of pharmacists and our teams and what we play and provide for our society. So again, I want to thank you so much for today's podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed being part of this conversation. It's been so rich in stories. It's been so rich in life pearls. It's been so rich in professional leadership advice. So again, thank you. And for all of you out there, that is all the time we have today. And I want to thank Janet, Dawn, and Christy for joining us today. And most importantly, thank the three of you for the leadership and service you have provided for our profession.
0: Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare